Thank you. 
here it is, it's May. Can you believe it? Can't tell by the weather out there. <laughs> but it's May already. I was asking the Lord, who, who should we have speak in, for the month of May? And he says, well, you. No, no. Well, why me? <laughs> and I hear, why not you? <laughs> so here I am for the month of May. And I began to pray, and, and as I was praying and seeking the Lord for a, a word for the women, this is what I heard on March 7th, a prophetic word. Always be the nurturing, caring women I've designed you to be. Just as my spirit is the nurturing side of me, he comes alongside you to lift you up, carry you along. So come alongside one another and encourage each other. Nurture them. So I started praying and seeking the Lord more on this researching and looking into this word and what was the Lord trying to say to us. And so I kept thinking about nurture. And so I looked in the Bible dictionary, and it means a type of training, like training children or babes in Christ and discipling. Nurturing is also a type of care, like for plants, well-watering, plenty of sunshine. It's giving it what it needs. In Psalms 144.12, it says, Our sons shall be like the plants, well-nurtured, properly cared for, disciplined or trained, like plants such as watering in, in the warmth of the sun. I have this uh, flower garden plaque, and I just absolutely love it. And I've had it for many years. And it says, children are like flowers. If nurtured and loved, they will blossom and grow. Nurturing, caring, training is also referred to discipline, which is hard for us to relate nurturing, loving, caring, you know, training to discipline. And uh, so I, I looked up in the Bible dictionary, discipline, it can refer positively to training or instruction that instills wisdom to an individual and negatively as punishment or chastisement. In Ephesians 6, 4, uh, referring uh, to parenting, it says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And 2 Timothy 3.16, in discipling, it says training in righteousness. So we're teaching and training like a, a babe in Christ how to live for the Lord and, and follow his word. It's all nurturing. So whether you're a mom or you're not a mom, we can nurture someone. And God's calling us to that. It's, it's God's design of discipline. In the Greek dictionary, it's paiduo, which is P-A-I-D-E-U-O, and it means to instruct, train, or educate. Now the world's discipline looks very, very different, but God's is to instruct train, and educate. And just, the Lord brought that to me, uh, just alive to me. Because we think those that may have had a bad father relationship, that discipline, you know, whatever they would do to you, <laughs> to discipline you. But God wants to instruct us and train us and educate us. Uh, in Hebrews 12, uh, disciplinary sufferings is a demonstration of sonship. It means we belong to him. He's teaching us, training us through the sufferings we go through. So I want to read Hebrews 12, 1 through 12. I love Hebrews. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. I'm sorry, I'm going to read to it. I didn't type it all out because it's too long. <laughs> so, but you can read it at home. So Hebrews 12, 1 through 12. Therefore, since we are surround, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. <coughs> Scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons or children of God. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Wow. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are the illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had many fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. As they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and a peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet. Verse 6 says, God disciplines those he loves. It means he wants to instruct us, he wants to train us, and he wants to educate us. Verse 7 is so powerful. Endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as sons. Wow. We don't have to think that God would have us go through trials to show his love for us. We need to ask him, though, what am I to learn through this? He wants to teach us something or train us something. He's allowed us to go through it for a reason. So I'm going to go over to the next page, to James 1. I'm going to read 2 through 4. I'm sorry. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He wants us to persevere through the hard times. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Pray without ceasing. Trust the Lord. And I was praying and praying again, and, and on March 10th, another prophetic word came forth. And I wrote, typed these out for you guys so you had them, because the Lord says, don't forget that which was prophesied over you. So this is the Lord speaking to all of us, not me speaking to you. This is the Lord speaking to us. I long for my daughters to nurture and disciple others and show my love to a world that doesn't know what real love is. Break through the fear and doubt. Break out into a holy boldness with the confidence that I'm right here with you, holding you up, giving you my love and supernatural ability to love others. Give of yourself fully to show love to all through the Holy Spirit within you. If you keep looking back at what was, you'll never break free to all that I have called you to be. I'm your healer. Many have scars and wounds and broken hearts, but I have delivered you out of that bondage, of the pain, the shame, the guilt, the hurt, the anger, and bitterness. I have healed you. Set others free. Tell of my wondrous deeds. I am faithful. I am the truth that sets you free. 
It is my good and perfect will that you be made whole and healed. I want to deliver my daughters to be all that I have designed them to be. Just as Jesus does for us, we are to do for others. The Holy Spirit will help us, and we just have to ask him. He's nurturing us and caring, coming alongside us on this journey in life, and we need to for others. But there are many things that hinder us from growing spiritually and being who we're meant to be, like stones over our hearts, from past wounds, rejection, lack of love or attention, abuse, hurts, anger, bitterness, sickness, emotional scars, failed relationships, traumas, post-traumatic syndrome, sin, unforgiveness, even to self, forgiving self. Healing is a process. Just as many of you prayed for my daughter Priscilla to get well, she's free from UC, from ulcerative colitis, and the physical pain and the suffering in her body for seven long years. But the emotional trauma and the scars and the wounds are still being healed. The dealing with, she don't have her colon anymore. She has to deal with this on a daily basis. And even in the family who went through the suffering with her, it takes time. It takes time, but the Holy Spirit's here. His word is here to help us through it all. And we all go through things we wish we didn't have to. But what have we learned through them? I think back on my childhood and wonder how God could have ever used me. Yeah, here I stand before you. It amazes me. And I still battle. But I see the faithfulness of my God, and it strengthens me to the next, in the next trial. So how do we show God's love if we've never been shown how to love? I didn't grow up with a father's love. My dad died when I was six. My mom didn't know how to show love that I needed. Oh, she'd do things for people, always for others. Now, some of you don't know, I'm the eighth child. I mean, the eighth daughter, the baby girl, but the twelfth child of 15. So I'm down at the bottom of the totem pole, the last girl in the middle of seven brothers. The last girl still at home. So um, my mom never did anything with me. She'd go out and go shopping with the older girls, and I'd watch the kids at home. Never did anything with me. No school events. Never went to a parent-teacher conference. Nothing. Um, when I tried to talk to her, it ended in an argument. So I held, learned early on to hold everything in. If my feelings didn't matter, nobody cares and nobody understood me. I watched and I learned some things from other people and my older sisters. Uh, but they were on their own, busy with their lives. No grandparents alive. Aunts were busy with their families. So what's a young girl to do? I had a lot of hate and anger toward my mom as a teen of all the things that she allowed in our home. Why wasn't she there? Why did I have to get molested? Where was she? Why didn't she know where I was? Why didn't she care? So often, you know, being the only girl left at home with all the boys who had, did nothing in the house, they did everything outside. Uh, the girls did everything in the house. So uh, you begin to feel like a slave. Um, she'd wake me up on a Saturday morning to make breakfast. I had to get her her coffee whenever she asked, get me a cup of coffee. I, I just felt like her slave girl. And one day, uh, family came over, and we didn't have paper plates, real plates. You imagine the size of the family and the stacks of plates. And um, I had to do the dishes, crying as a teenager, and uh, asked her, why don't you help me? And to hear her say, that's why I had you. 
just was another stone over the heart, another blow that I'm just nothing more than a slave girl to her. But God, <laughs> he sent someone as a child, he sent someone, a little old lady down the street who would show me love and attention, took me to her church. I heard about Jesus, and I loved hearing about Jesus. In my teen years, I met Bill, who loved me and, and treated me like a princess and took me shopping and bought me things. <laughs> you know, it just was amazing. And his mom, who loved Jesus and just would talk hours and hours on end about Jesus. And I just was a sponge and just took it all in and just couldn't get enough of Jesus. I just wanted to serve the Lord. And even when I got married and, and pregnant a few months later with Nicola, I literally on my knees crying unto God, how can I train up a child to know you when I don't know myself? And God began to do miraculous things in my life. And because I was crying unto him, he was there. Jesus was there. And his spirit and his word. And I stood on his word. And he began to show me to love through his word. I, like I said, I had so much anger and bitterness. I, and the Lord began to show me while Nicola was quite young. I was listening to a message on Christian radio. And this woman says, if your prayers aren't being answered, I want you to just take some time right now, quiet before the Lord, and ask him if there's anything, anything in your heart that you need to deal with. Is there unforgiveness? Is there this or that? And the Lord brought my mom. And I had to forgive her. And he showed me a picture of Jesus on the cross and looking at his accusers and saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I had to forgive her because she didn't know what she was doing to me. Even though she, she loved the Lord in her way. Um, I had a lot of fear and bondage in raising my kids, and I felt bad for my kids. They had to grow up with all of that, and especially a firstborn, poor firstborns, because we don't have a training manual. <laughs> You're just learning as you go. Poor Nicola. <laughs> but I prayed always, always prayed, always inside. But I didn't share because I learned to hide everything inside and I didn't share it with my kids. Oh, I taught them how to pray before eating or before bed or if someone was sick or something. But all that I was going through, they, they didn't know. They didn't know. I kept everything inside. I didn't teach them how to seek God like I was inside. I was reading the Word at night when they were in bed. I mean, I read to them the children's Bible a little bit here and there, but I spoke of his word, but it, as they grew and, and became older in t their teens, I, I didn't show the grace to go along with the word. Then it sounded like just the law. I was just giving the law. Bill was on afternoon, so I was like a single mom. Eight years of their life, all of their teen years, my boys' younger years, they, didn't, they saw their dad on the weekends. I was like a single mom. So I was praying when, and reading the word when they were in bed. And, and I became such a perfectionist that I wanted my kids to serve the Lord with all their heart and, and I wanted to be nothing like my mother. <laughs> you know, I was going to be anything but what she would allow in the house. I wouldn't allow anything. You know? So the, the perfectionism uh, ism became like, it seemed like controlling. But it was out of my fears that I 
you know, afraid my kids would go through some of the things that I went through. And, um, but in spite of the failures as a mom, God knew my heart, and he knew I was trapped inside myself, and he honored my heart and my prayers and, and, and serving him. And I always taught my kids, though, using their gifts and talents that God gave them to bless him and glorify him, and they do that. You see, I didn't have to be perfect. God loved me because he made me the way I was. He blessed our, our kids. He, they all love Jesus, and that means absolutely everything else to me besides the Lord. <laughs> and trusting in God and faith in his word through the years, we saw many miracles through the years. I, when I was pregnant with Nicola, I walked with a limp. I had bone on top of bone, like, and, and so painful, but I went through a healing service, and, and God miraculously healed me. Um, Nicola, as a toddler, had epilepsy. And God miraculously healed her. So, and, and she's had many healings since, and, and she could tell you about them. Um, so many blessings of the Lord, yet many hard times, too. But we prayed and we stood on God's word. Where I left, he sent others into their lives to help them in their growth as well. My son-in-laws are awesome, encouraging them. When we live in fear, we tend to pass that on to our children, even though we don't think so. It happens, unfortunately. But as I learned more of God's word, I began to see what true love really was. In 1 John 3.16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus died for us. That's the ultimate love sacrifice. It's Jesus, God, sending his son for us. So we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers, for the family of God, for our sisters. In 1 John 5, love for God is to obey his commands. So everything he says, that's what I wanted to do. That made the perfectionism even greater. <laughs> I was going to do what if God said it. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And, um, and Colossians 3.13, forgive as he has forgiven you. And he began to work on me more and more through the years. Again, while praying for this word, on a month later, April 7th, I heard this. Many cannot be loving, nurturing women. I've called them to be because they're stuck at a wounded place in their heart and soul, keeping them bound so they cannot move forward. It's like a rock blocking their growth. Every attack of the enemy is like a stone against us, thrown at us. It's trying to stump our spiritual growth. It's a stumbling block. We have a choice to put up the shield of faith, stand on God's word, and live his word, making the stumbling block a stepping stone, bringing us to a new level of glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Then I saw a vision of a rock, this large rock in a flower garden, on top of a, uh, where a seed of a plant was planted. And that plant can't grow because of the rock. But removing the rock, the plant begins to grow. And with proper care and watering and sunshine, it comes to its full bloom and the glory of its design and purpose. And we can grow to our full spiritual maturity by letting God remove the rock or the rocks away from our heart, from past wounds, our hurts, etc. Help us to grow and help us to grow by the warmth of the, His Son Jesus' love toward us and the watering of His Holy Spirit, trusting in His Word, living by it. Jesus overcame, and so can we. And then this song came to mind, and we just sang it. Crucified, 
laid behind a stone. You took the fall and you thought of me. Above all, Jesus, the imperishable, uncorrupted seed, did not see decay. God removed the stone. And life was growing behind that rock, that stone. He brought deliverance and set the captives free. He defeated the death and the grave. And God threw the stone. And new life came forth. By his spirit and resurrection power, he is now the cornerstone of the living house of God. And we are the living stones, we as living stones in his spiritual house. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to read Peter, 1 Peter 1, 22, and we're going to go on to 2.10. Get there. Either one. Okay. Here we go. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. This is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus is the rock to build our lives upon. God takes that stone that was to hold us down in defeat and death and to stump our growth, and God removes it and throws it away, and new life can come forth. Wow, just like Jesus. Satan thought he had it in the bag. Jesus was in the grave, the stone was there, it was sealed, but God threw the stone and made Jesus the cornerstone, the living house of God, for us to build our lives on. So he takes every stone that the enemy tries to throw against us through trials, through tragedy, through hurts, rejection, whatever. It's another stone, another stone, another stone. But God wants us to take, let him have it. Let him take it from us. 
and throw it away so a new life can spring forth in us. Just like he did for Joseph. What God, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good for the saving of many souls. Joseph was rejected by his family, his brothers, sold into slavery, lied about, put into prison, yet he honored God, he served God right where he was in the trial. And he was faithful in the little. And because he was faithful in the little, God made him ruler of much. He ends up being over the storehouse with all the food in a time of famine and able to save his family. And his brothers came. He had to forgive. Just like I had to forgive those who hurt me. It was a stone over my heart. But in Romans 8:11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That resurrection power, his spirit, brings us back to life again. And even more recent, I, we, you know, just when we think we're all good and everything's peachy keen, you know, something else comes along. And more recent, it, we're, this demon and this woman come out at me because I, you're this godly Christian woman. I'm just spewed out at me. Just... Um, I don't like you. I never liked you. And all this stuff. But now God gave me his peace that I could stand there and still show the love of God to her. And I was able to pray. Doesn't mean I didn't go home and cry the rest of the day. Because it hurts. But God knows that. But I gave it to him quicker than living years with it. To release it. And then just the other day, something really just stirred an anger in me and it's like, why, Lord, does that bother me so much? When you have these feelings that pop up because of one little thing, ask the Lord and he's faithful to reveal it. And he brought me back to something I hated my mother allowing in our home. And the Lord said it was just, he just showed me a picture of the soil and even though you get the big rocks off the top of the soil, you have to till it, and there's more little stones in the soil. There was another little stone that was from way back when that needed to get removed. And it only comes through praying and seeking him and asking him to help, and his spirit is here to nurture us and to teach us and to train us through his word. And with Jesus said, in this world, we're going to have trouble. But take heart, he's overcome the world, and so can we. We can be overcomers. John 10.10 said that the devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy, but God has given us life and life more abundantly. He wants us to have that life so we can be the nurturing, loving women he's called us to be. Amen? So this word, he's... He's laid on my heart, and it isn't just for me. It's for his daughters, he said. I know some of you may have something from way, way back. Some little stone. Some of you may have a big old rock that we need to give over to Jesus. Maybe you have a, a sickness and you need your healing. You need a miracle right now. I'm going to ask my girls to come forward, and we're going to come. We're going to pray. 
I'm going to have Nicola come over here, and I'm going to have Priscilla come over here, and I'm going to come down in the middle. And we want to pray for you.